Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to episode 229. So we're going to head back to uh, a little bit uh, with plaster. So the let's go over some basics of plaster repair. Okay, Plaster technology and techniques would, would fill quite a big textbook. So my purpose here is to explain what plaster is and why it fails and to outline your options in dealing with problems. Throughout, I'll assume that 50% of your plaster is salvageable. In other words, we're talking about patching and repair, not demolition and replacement. So, listening to this won't make you a better plaster. <clears throat> Big jobs especially require a lot of practice working with the materials. But I think you'll be convinced that plaster is usually salvageable using simple, inexpensive techniques. Even if you're all already an experienced taper or patch plaster, a few of the tricks or products described in, uh, in our episode here may be beneficial to you. And uh, we're going to go over a pla <coughs> plastering glossary at the end, and uh, that may enlighten you some, to some of the terms. So what is plaster? In old houses, plaster is most often a three-coat system of lime, Egyptian-based, trowelable mortar that was applied wet over wood lath strips. The first two coats contain sand and perhaps animal hair. The finished coat is thinner and contains no aggregate or binder. The base coat of plaster has a mechanical and adhesive bond to the lath. Mechanical through the keys, that's between the plaster or the lath boards, or hardened slumps of plaster that went through the, the spaces between the lath strips. Adhesive, by virtue of suction, created between the bond of the wood lath and the wet plaster. Obviously, plaster can fail because of imperfections in the material itself, or because of stress or in failure of the structural system that supports it. For example, house framing, studs, lath, etc. So... That's all a possibility. So let's talk about cracks. Hairline cracks are no threat to the integrity of the wall or the ceiling, but you'll want to patch them before painting. Open the crack with a point of a can opener, and we're talking about basics here, or a putty knife, and fill it with spackling compound. Cracks may be cylindrical, opening and closing with seasonal variation in humidity, which causes the lath to swell and shrink. And uh, sometimes, I mean, for this is for the homeowner, I would use a, a, some kind of bonding agent. You can mix a glue up. Even um, You could go to liquid nails. Again, this is for the homeowner. Liquid nails in the open crack, and then you could go over it with, uh, you know, a lightweight uh, spackling compound. So in that case, it's best not to spackle them with rigid plaster. Instead, bed fiberglass tape in joint compound and feather over with more compound. Structural cracks or large cracks usually happen early in the building's life, so within the first 20 or so years. So dig them out, undercutting slightly to provide a key for the patch plaster. Vacuum out all debris patch with the appropriate patching plaster. Finish with a layer of compound, sand or sponge and prime. Canvassing. Wall canvas or modern substitutes are used to line plaster walls before they are painted or papered. 
Decorative painters in the past used to canvas walls before stenciling to protect fancy painting from hairline cracks. You can use it over patch walls or ceilings, as long as the plaster is basically sound. It's a good way to resurface if you've <coughs> got less than perfect patches, lots of hairline cracks, uneven paint layers, or other minor imperfections. Canvas can't bridge holes or disguise badly uneven patches. However, so do your stabilizing, taping, and patch first before canvassing. Let's talk about plaster washers. Plaster washers, also called repair discs or sealing buttons, are an old-fashioned fix for pulling sound plaster back up to the lath when the keys have broken for whatever reason, or for pulling plaster and lath back to the studs or joists. They are used in conjunction with flathead wood screws or dry drywall screws today and are subsequently covered with joint compound. They're useful for securing areas of sound plaster before you remove damaged plaster nearby, so remember that. Even bowed plaster can be saved by anchoring it with plaster washers. The plaster itself must have integrity. It can't be crumbly or soft due to water damage. If the plaster and lath assembly together has separated from the structure, long wood screws can be used to go through the lath and into the studs or joists. Patching holes. So, patching with a traditional three-coat plaster system. Another method of patching holes larger than four inches square is to use drywall as the base material as in the bottom photo. Again, we're talking about for the happy homeowner, not the professional. This method is usually easier for non-plasters. You don't have to buy and mix and trowel traditional plastering materials. Areas of bad plaster are removed, then the hole is squared up so a neat patch can be cut from drywall to fit the hole. Cut the plaster back to studs or joists so you have something to screw and drywall too. The drywall might have to be shimmed up to bring it up to the surface of the surrounding plaster. The gap between patch and plaster is treated just like sheetrock seam, taped and finished with joint compound. You can skim the entire patch with compound too, if necessary to level it or impart a trout finished texture. All patches, tape cracks, and skimmed areas must be primed before painting. Secret of the screw gun. The screw gun comes in handy for installing both plaster washers and drywall patches. By the time you bang nails into the drywall, the surrounding plaster will have cracked and crumbled further, and debris caught behind the patch will keep it from lying flat. A screw gun is an electric screwdriver with an attractable sleeve that controls the screw depth. It's fast and the depth adjustment allows the screw to be countersunk just below the surface of the drywall without breaking the paper face. But its greatest advantage in patch plastering is that it avoids the hammer impact that would damage the fragile surrounding plaster surfaces. Patch plastering. The alternative to the drywall patch is patch plastering for holes less than four inches in diameter. Fill to not quite level like stucco light or patching plaster, and finish skim with joint compound. The larger holes down to the lath will probably require three coats. For the scratch and brown coats, 
use stucco light regular, like USG's perlated gypsum plaster or the equivalent. The top or finish coat is finished lime mixed with gauging plaster. So ref refer to uh, you know how we mixed and talked to this in the past. Remove damaged plaster very carefully. You can't just bang it out unless you're <clears throat> intending to remove the whole wall and whatever is on the other side of it. Cut it with a chisel and pull it away with your hands using a pry bar gently. Anchor salvageable surrounding plaster with washers as described previously. Resecure loose lac to the studs or joist. Pre-drilling pre to avoid splitting the lath. Vacuum all debris. I suggest installing metal lath over the wood lath before patching with plaster. This makes the patch less likely to fail. Finish coat failure. Buckling and, or delamination of the finish coat of plaster is a common problem in old houses. It can, it can occur because of a bad original bond between the brown coat and the finish coat. Problems in the manufacture of the raw materials or the on-site mixing application or humidity may have interfered with a chemical reaction that causes the plaster to cure. If failure is limited to wall areas, joint compound, uh, which can at this point be the, the restorer's best friend, can be used. Just be sure to remove all areas of loose finished coat because it will fail. If delamination is extensive, it makes more sense to replaster the finished coat. Or just for the homeowner, call a plaster unless you're willing to invest some time in learning the skill yourself. Damp walls and water damage. Plaster that was merely stained by a short-term water leak in the past can be sealed with shellac or a shellac-based primer. But if the plaster lost its integrity, becoming bowed or crumbly, it's probably is unsalvageable at this point. Remove only the damaged section, of course. Anchor the edges of remaining sound plaster and patch. Plaster badly damaged by water effervesces. The dry powdery bubbles are salts in the plaster brought to the surface by the water. If it's minor, the effervescence can be brushed away and the plaster seal with shellac before painting more often. Effervescence is not a good sign. Water-damaged plaster will not hold paint, and worse, it may eventually fail on its own. Texture Finish Removal Textured wall finishes were popular from about 1920 to the late 30s. They're often, often attractive, in good shape, and part of the character of one's house. Then there's the overdone texture finish, sloppily applied and now failing in many areas, which was part of a modernization of an older house so if you want to remove this stuff, you're in for a lot of work. Simple scraping with a putty knife or old chisel may remove much of the finish. A rented wallpaper steamer further breaks the bond of texture to original plaster, making it easier to scrape. If you get most of, of not, or not quite all of it off, skim the wall with joint compound. Two thin coats applied at right angles is best. Let me say a warning. A later texture finish may have been added as a last-ditch attempt to rescue failing plaster, and then you scrape it off. The underlying plaster finish coat or more may come off with it, 
Oh well, so better that you know now than get stuck. So starting over. So what if you find your plaster sealing your walls are unsalvageable? You have three basic options for replacement. Real three-coat plaster, drywall, or veneer plaster. The advantages of real plaster are both aesthetic and practical. Nothing else looks or feels like plaster. There's nothing that feels like walking into a plastered room in a period house. The older the building, the more important the look is. Drywall is an 18 drywall in an 18th century house just doesn't work. Real plaster has the best insulating and sound deadening characteristics too. Don't dismiss the concept of replacing plaster with plaster until you get the prices. If you live in a place, usually urban, where you can find a fine plaster, plaster may be quite competitive with drywall. Drywall, or as we know it, sheetrock, is the usual choice of both do-it-yourselfers and general contractors. The materials are modular, the sheets go up quickly with less mess and disruption than plastering. Taping takes a while, however. Less skill is needed to do an adequate drywall job than plaster job. On the other hand, only really good tapers can truly make invisible drywall seams. Drywall is perfectly flat and regular, characterless. Plaster has a lot of character. It's not flat and level. So what makes an old house is a, is a subtle thing. So let's, let me put it this way. A sheetrock ceiling in the kitchen or moisture-proof sheetrock on bathroom walls isn't too much of a compromise. But a whole house with walls of new drywall is very di- a very different animal from the same house with plaster walls. Craftsmanship exists only in the latter. Veneer plaster is the in-between. Here, a real troweled finish coat of plaster is applied to a prefabricated gypsum board base. Sometimes a base coat of finished coat are applied over the gypsum base. So get prices locally if you decide which way to go. So I hope everyone has enjoyed uh, you know, the possibilities of, of doing your own plaster repairs for the homeowners. Uh, thanks everyone for listening.